give our God a hand. What a great God we serve. Thankful for our kids, man. That's a, that's a small taste of what's going to be happening this week, Vacation Bible School. So that starts tomorrow morning from 9 o'clock till noon. And I'm going to encourage you, invite everybody that you can to Vacation Bible School. I'm, I said even I'm going to do my part. I was, I was at a picnic yesterday and uh, someone was telling me they wanted their grandkids to come, but they couldn't get them a ride. So I said, I'll be their ride. I'll help you figure this out. And they're like, well, we can get them there. I said, well, good. That's one less ride I got to get. So they're going to get their kids here, and I'm going to take them home unless they come up with another plan. So how exciting is that? So that's my way of getting involved. If you can get involved, because, you know, I can't dance anymore, anymore, right? So I can't dance like I used to. And uh, and now, now I'm going to be the guy that's going to help bring in the kids. So 
I want to encourage you, do what you can. Uh, go, go to your neighbor and say, hey, you know, you got kids. Would you come up to our Vacation Bible School? It's free. We never charge for Vacation Bible School. We'll never charge. Amen. Let's give God a hand for that. We'll never charge for Vacation Bible School. Read my lips. We will never charge. All right. So anyhow, but we, we're just so thankful for all that God's doing. And uh, we're, we're excited about this week. So let's be in prayer. Let's, uh, let's pray. Let's go. And let's ask God to bring people unto himself. And then we also have coming up here, another, uh, another announcement coming up is uh, the Global Leadership Summit. That's coming up on uh, August the 9th through the 10th. And what that is, that's a leadership conference. Uh, it's put on by Willow Creek Community Church. It's up in Chicago. And it'll be live streamed right here. So there's going to be a gigantic screen right here in dead center. We have a satellite. It's already up on the, on the roof. We are able to receive signal from them. We're one of three locations in Pittsburgh to get the hostess. So what this is, it's a leadership seminar. So if you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to improve your leadership skill at work, like to improve your leadership skill wherever that you are a leader at, and you don't have to be like a leader over 50 people. Do you realize if you lead one person, you lead? So if you'd like to be a part of that, come on, come and check it out. Uh, you can email Luke. He has a code. You'll get half off. You go, you go on our website. There, there's a fee that they charge and you pay it online, but uh, we'll give you a code to get you half off, and it's a real joy and privilege for us to be able to host this. So last time I went to this was about two years ago, and I took notes on top of notes on top of notes. It's like two eight-hour days. You're just hearing quality speakers from all over the country. So I want to encourage you. uh, Maybe there's somebody at your work. You can tell your office workers, tell your boss, tell somebody, hey, come uh, come and use this. Some people are using it as continuing education too. So uh, it's a great outreach into our community. And then lastly, we have also coming up our car crows on Tuesday nights. I want to encourage you, if you got an old-time car, come on out. Or if you're an old-timer, come on out. Or if you're a young-timer, come on out, all right? Come on out this Tuesday. They're going to be up here from 5 to 9. This week on, at 7 o'clock, they'll be singing the national anthem. And then they're going to actually go on a cruise, and they're going to take the cars all out through town. So Hopefully, we'll see about 70 cars roaming through town together as they, I think they're having a police escort or something to get them through town. So uh, we're we're thankful for all these opportunities that God's given to us. We've got our teenagers going off to camp tomorrow morning, 15 kids. Can we give God a hand for that? That's exciting, man. We've got uh, the kids are going to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. My idea of camp was in a tent, right? They're going to a hotel. It's beautiful. It's awesome. A resort in uh, Pigeon Forge. We're thanking God. Let's open in prayer this morning as we worship our great God. Lord, we come before you and we just thank you. You are so awesome. You've done so much in our church, Lord. We're just seeing you grow us, grow us as individuals. You're taking our roots down deep in Christ. You're growing us and bringing other people into the into the family, Lord. Uh, people are walking into our doors in need of a Savior, and they are finding a Savior. We're bringing people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We thank you for this great opportunity. Lord, be with us now as we sing unto your name, as we worship you. Would you be adored by the praise of your people? In your name we pray.
Amen. Man, I love to sing songs that proclaim the name of the Lord. And so um, admittedly, I was not planning on sharing this this morning. And uh, how many of you guys know Bill Best? Okay, a good number of you. So um, for me to say this, you'll, you'll get it, is that um, I was walking through the hallway last Saturday and he said, what's that funny looking thing on the back of your head? And I was like, what are you talking about? And then I remembered, oh, like there's this big scar in the back of my head. And he's like, is that a haircut? Like, do you ask your barber to do that? It's like, is that the new thing? And so I explained, I was like, no, that's, that's not it. He's like, well, that should be a thing. Um, so I went on to explain to him, like I had this surgery and um, it was about a year and a half ago. I had a craniotomy and I had two strokes and like I went on to explain this stuff. And so um, actually when I explained it the first service, I had a different perspective on it. And then this uh, lady named Laura came up to me just a half hour ago and said, um, I had four of those same surgeries that you just described. And I just, um, I keep, so I had one and this lady had four and she still um, thinks the Lord has great things in store for her. And I, I was just in awe. Um, I was reading John 8 last night right before the service and um, talking about the blind man and why he was born blind. And um, just a few verses in it says, so the name of the Lord might be able to be displayed. That, that he can show his power. And that's exactly it. There's no significance in my story. In fact, Laura's story just blows mine out of the water. That she, um, just like me, would have to relearn how to walk and how to talk. And uh, for me, instruments and singing and, and all this stuff. Just like Avery is having her, her back surgery and she's relearning all this stuff. And so the name of the Lord might be displayed that people can proclaim his name because he has good things in store for them. And so I think about this opportunity that we have to learn a new song and sing. I've seen you move mountains and we can, we can say that because we've already seen him do it, that we can proclaim his name, that we can say he's good because we've seen it already because whatever circumstances in your life, it may not be a brain surgery, but it might be something else. And for me, I didn't even want to share this yet. And Bill Best was picking at me. And I came to a place last night, right a minute before the service started, where I read John 8, so that the name of the Lord might be displayed, that we might be able to lift his name up. So that's all I want to do right now and sing. Walking around these walls. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. 
Still stands, great is your faith. 
Whenever he does that, whoa, 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 you're supposed to echo it back. Try it. Whoa. All right, next time we sing that song, you better be doing it because I'm the only one on the front row who does, and everybody's looking at me like, what's wrong with you, all right? So uh, aren't you glad to be here? Let's give our God a hand. We just praise him this morning. We're just going to, before we call our ushers forward to receive the offering, we're we're just going to have a, a little bit of prayer this morning, and i just like to pray for Vacation Bible School number one. You can see this place is decked out, ready to go. Um, please bring your friends, your neighbors, get the word out. God is going to do great things here this week. Amen? And then pray for our teenagers. They're going off to camp. They're leaving tomorrow morning. Uh, lives will be changed. I know when we get kids away from their routine, we get them away from their just some of their home lives, some of just uh, life around Finleyville. We get them away and let God get a hold of them. So would you pray with me? We've got 15 teenagers going away. Isn't that exciting? Give God a hand for that. That's just wonderful. Four, four adult leaders are going with them. And, and uh, I'm just praying that you know, a couple of these kids will come back ignited for Jesus Christ. And they'll come back and they'll set high schools on fire for Jesus. And we'll just see people's lives changed. Uh, you know, another prayer request to pray this week. A friend of mine lost his mother, Phil Allen. Phil Allen's a good friend of mine. We, we, we grew up together in the church, me, Phil Allen, and Ron Drister. And uh, I had the privilege of officiating his mother's funeral. And I'll tell you what, I was really broken over that. I was, I was just messed up. And, and all I could think of is, you know, when I was in high school, they, this was my gang. And this, this was my sphere of influence. And I was able to go out and I was able to just have an impact on them. And, and they came. We all hung out together. We all got saved. And we got grown in Christ. And he prayed for his mother. And you know, his mother came to Christ about 10 years ago. Can we just give God a hand for that, what God would do? You know? And it's just like God reaches in. So my prayers for these little kids that are coming in this week, there'll be stories of Ken and Phil and Ron 
that God will just create a new generation of some of this stuff. That some of these teenagers are going off to camp, that they'll get on fire and they'll come home and they'll say, man, I want to tell somebody about Jesus. I want to live for God. I'm going to go out and I'm going to turn Ringgold, Bethel Park, South Park High School. I'm going to turn them on for Jesus. So let's just pray to that end this week. I'm going to ask our, our ushers to come forward this morning as they come. All right, we've been in our series here, um, uh, hashtag goals. We've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit and how the fruit of the Spirit just, when it comes out, it just takes over you. And just watch this come. And so this morning, I've asked Pastor Luke. He's going to be sharing the message this morning with us. And uh, we're, I'm just excited. It was a great Saturday night, great 930, and we're going to have a great 11 o'clock here this morning. As we give to the Lord, would you read with me our giving verse for the morning? 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Let's read it aloud together. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. That verse speaks volumes. And as I was thinking about it, I've been mulling over each service and just mulling over it as we want to we put, you know, this, there's a spiritual thing that we do when we give. And man, it's not out of grudging. It's not, okay, God, I got to do this. It's like, God, you gave me everything. And with great joy, I give to you. God loves it when we cheerfully give. When we're not so holding on to life so tightly that we can't let go and trust God. Let's go to our Lord this morning, all right? Father God, we thank you so much for all that you're doing in this place. God, as we open your word here in just a few moments, Lord, I pray that you will just be with Pastor Luke and just... Just let, the, let your word speak loud and clear to us today, Lord. Would your Holy Spirit step into this room and speak to each person in here. And Lord, do something supernatural, Lord, that we can't take the credit for. You're going to transform somebody's life this morning. And what a powerful opportunity we have to be here. And Lord, it just might be one of, might be our own life, Lord, that is going to be trans transform so god transform us in your power and in your name lord as we give to you this morning we're, we're so happy to give to you it's not out of duty it's out of thankfulness and lord we with smiles on our heart we give to you and we say lord blessed be the name of the lord who was and is and is to come be honored and adored in this place as your people give to you in your name we pray Is everybody alive this morning? Come on now. Are you excited? Come on. Let me get excited. 
I don't know about you all, but seeing all this VBS stuff truly gets me excited because that just means there's going to be kids everywhere, all over our church for a week. And that is just a huge, huge privilege to welcome these families and these kids. And so we're super excited about that. I want to give another shout out to to our Crossroads family joining us online. Many of you might not know, but we actually stream this service live. And I can tell you from several, several, several uh, different stories about people who are like, they're sick or they're traveling or they're, you know, just checking out the church for the first time. They see this service first from online. So can we just give a hand to our video team for making that happen each week? It's, it's a privilege because many of you might not even know we have that. And, uh, and so what my encouragement to you is, is, is share that. You can go on our website, you can send people a past video, or you can say, hey, check it out today. Actually, my dad is watching online in Chicago, so that's exciting to have him there. And um, also, too, I want to say that uh, if you're interested in serving on the video team, you might even know what that means. Uh, would you talk to, to Michael Giglio, or you can even talk to Keller, um, just, just Keller Lohman, and just ask him questions about that, because uh, it's a tremendous ministry. And I had some time with them the last week or so, and just here in their heart, to see excellence happen in terms of video. It's just, it's humbling. And so we're so thankful for that team. And so it's just exciting about that. Also too, I want to make a side note. This Monday, tomorrow, will mark one year that my family and I have been here at Crossroads. And so it's just a, it's a humbling, humbling privilege to serve you and to be a part of this church family. So I just want to say thank you guys so much for being so welcoming and, <clears throat> and loving. You know, you, uh, you took me in, you beat me around and taught me the DNA, and, and now I uh, it just, it, it is, uh, and especially after Pastor John and Joanne came, it is such a privilege to be here and to see the legacy that, that we are standing on the shoulders of here. It's, uh, it, it's very humbling and excited about that. So as we jump into gentleness this morning, I want to remind, uh, remind us all that we've been in this series called Hashtag Goals, and so these are goals in terms of the fruit of the Holy Spirit of goals we want to reach for in our lives. And so these are things that we aspire to do. We want to see it replicated in our lives and produced in our lives. And I just remind us that if we were to take out the gospel and God's work in our lives, this is called legalism. Because you're going to walk away going, I need to love more, be more joyful, have more peace, or be more peaceful, be patient, be kind. And without the gospel, it's legalism. It's God's work in our lives that produces this fruit. Amen? And so we can't, we can't forget that. I just want to remind us of that. Last weekend, Pastor Ken talked about faithfulness. We talked about being faithful in our relationships, our resources, and our responsibilities. But at the end of the day, reminding ourselves that it is God who is faithful with us day in and day out, even when we are not faithful. And so next week, we're actually going to wrap up with self-control. And I want to tell you more about what's happening next weekend, but I'm going to hold back. So, yeah. yeah. Wah, wah, wah. So... But today, like I said, I want to go through God's Word and talk about gentleness. And as I do that, I want to share about this very famous person, and you're probably going to guess. I want to give a little background on him. So he's born in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and he went to Latrobe High School. And he was a famous puppeteer and ordained minister. And he was a host of a very well known TV program. After graduating from from Latrobe High School, he went to Dartmouth College and would gain more aspirations for ministry. And so the, the, the Presbyterian Church actually ordained this person and specifically said, your role is going to be ministering to families and children through television. And so getting his groundwork started in Canada and then coming here to the United States 
you all know him as uh, Mr. Rogers. And so despite the softness of his delivery or his fuzzy sweaters, his comfy shoes, this man possessed this formidable will and a determination to reach children with topics that were applicable to their lives. He did not skirt the issues dealing with topics like assassination, war, divorce, loss, and death with a calmness and honesty and compassion. In an an interaction with an actor offstage, uh, he had this this conversation because every single time that, that Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, would talk to this specific actor, he would say, I love you just the way you are. And so off stage, this actor approached Fred Rogers and said, are you talking to me? And with no hesitation, Fred said, I've been talking to you for two years. And this actor, for the first time in his life, heard another man tell him that he loved him, never heard it from his father and never heard it from his stepfather. Fred Rogers became his substitute father. And so Fred Rogers took what could have been just another TV show and he turned it into this movement of gentleness and strength. You know, these, are, these kids that watch the show every week, they were, they were hurting. Maybe some didn't know it, maybe some did. And, and so what they received was they received consistency and routine. That's why he came in, he took his jacket off, he put his afghan on and he would continue to do his thing. He would continue to put, you know, he put his sweaters on and zip them up. I mean, he just, he had his routine and every time it's like, you just got to know it. But some of these kids never experienced that. And he also never shied away, like I said, from talking about difficult issues that kids were facing. He took truth and gentleness and put them together. The show took off and had a significant amount of influence. As many of you know, you see it at Idlewild and you see it, you know, on TV still today, a spinoff show. But what he did was he used his influence to tell kids something very specific. You are worth something, and you have a purpose in this life. And that's what we get to do this upcoming week, is we get to talk to kids about a life in Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's what's so exciting about seeing all this stuff, is we're trying to reach kids this week. We're trying to reach kids all the time here at Crossroads. Trying to tell them that there is a relationship with God. To tell them that, that there is this, this purpose in life, and, and we are so excited to share that with them and do this with gentleness because so many of them come in from so many different situations and homes. And so I believe that great power comes, great power with gentleness produces some incredible results. And so we might think about gentleness in our culture as being kind of, you know, the opposite of what would be, here's gentleness and over here you would have something like power and strength and authority and and they're kind of polarizing to a degree. One's more forceful, one's more passive. I think a lot of us would agree with that. I think when gentleness and power meet together, I think big stuff can happen. In fact, most of us, when we probably think of gentleness, we probably go to this little guy. Um, if we could put that up on the, yeah. So we think, of, uh, we think of gentleness, we think cute, fluffy, smiley, cheesy, etc. And I think we all, have, we all have a definition of what gentleness is. We all have a picture in our head. And so as we jump into God's word, let's wrestle with these three questions. What is your picture of gentleness? Who has been gentle with you? And what would drive you to be gentle with someone else. As we start off in God's word, let's go to Galatians 5, and I want to just, just uh, go ahead and jump out of our, our anchor passage. It says, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so from that, we're talking about gentleness, and I believe three, three outcomes can happen when the fruit of gentleness is produced in our lives. The first one is unity. 
And Paul is addressing the, the church at Ephesus. How many of you were here for our Ephesus series? A couple of you, five of you. Just like, I don't, I don't know if I remember. You, you probably were. It was a great series. And it's exciting to be back in Ephesians. And, and Paul is addressing the church at Ephesus. And he says this very clearly in, in verse one. So track along with me. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. He says, then he says this, be completely humble. I love that he says, be completely. He doesn't say, hey, be a quarter humility or be a quarter humble, be a quarter gentle, be a quarter patient. And then whatever's left, uh, bear with one another in love. He says, be completely humble. He says to be all in in our relationships. And now if I were to just give you those first two verses, you would think, okay, I'm gonna walk away and I gotta do more. But let's remind ourselves of the power of the gospel in this third verse here. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And what I love about that so much is that God guides, he provides. Where God guides, he provides. And I believe that he has given us the Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit, to, to produce this fruit to help us. This is a supernatural thing to be gentle. I don't know about you, but we're gonna talk about some situations where it's hard to be gentle, people. Come on. And so I believe that gentleness is a, is a form of humility. It takes on a form of humility. We have to lower ourselves to care for someone else's needs. And often a great place to start is by listening. Gentleness can take its form in how we assert ourselves as well. You see then, you see then when we, we can be gentle and assertive, right? But they do not assert themselves. These people are assertive, but they don't assert themselves. They actually are promoting God and others. They're not promoting themselves. You see, Jesus was forceful, even confrontational. Jesus, he was gentle, but he uses powers for others. And the same holds for us. The question is not how strong we are, but how we use our strength. We all know that person or those people that maybe have taken a different track and maybe we don't see them as much, or maybe there's somebody in our life group we haven't seen in a while or hasn't shown up to, to basketball you know, nights or hasn't showed up to the Tuesday morning breakfast or hasn't come to, you know, whatever the thing is that you gather with, or it's just on Sunday mornings or Saturday nights, we haven't seen them in a long time. And they've, they, they've kind of gone MIA. What do we do with those people? How do we unify those people? Galatians 6.1 says this, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you might live, you, will, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. You know, like I said, we all know the person that all of a sudden we just don't know where they are. And I think it's so powerful as a church that we, we go, hey, where is this person? Or how do we get a hold of this person? And then we reach out. It goes so far when someone gets a phone call or someone gets a text message or someone gets an email. Better yet, we say, hey, can I come over? Or, hey, can I meet you for this? We have an opportunity to restore these people. And I love is that and when Paul is talking about restore, the, the, the verb there actually is referring to putting back into place a dislocated bone or a fracture. And I don't know about you, but my, I, again, I, sometimes I feel like I grew up under the dirt because I, I have an experience of broken bones where I got my thumb broken in a door. That's about it. I see some, I mean, my kids have more experience breaking things than I do. And, and, and it's interesting here that it talks about dislocated bone or fracture. And what's so powerful about that is you know you have a dislocated bone. You can feel it. You can feel a fracture. And we should feel when somebody's gone or somebody's missing or we can restore somebody. And, and actually the same verb here is Mark uses that when he's talking about the disciples' nets and how they would fish. That net can't have a hole. Otherwise, fish are gonna go straight through it. So we have to be unified as a church and we have to bring those people back and we have to go after those people. And we can do all that we can. And we can pray for those people. We can go after those people. 
But the job of restoration is often neglected by the church. We pretend that something never happened or we react too harshly, we're polarizing. But there's a balance between these two extremes that can only be negotiated by the spiritual. And so it should be normal to do what God says here, right? But it isn't. We need God's help. This is not normal to go after and try to restore people. Usually our culture just says, well, let them go. And sometimes the church says that. But I believe it is our God-given command is to go after people and to reach them and to restore them. So we need God's help with this. So the first one is, is, unif- is unity. It produces unity. And the second thing is opportunities. So 1 Peter talks about this, and I, and I love this passage so much, is, is he, he, he is telling us to be bold in our faith. But he says to do it with gentleness and respect. So let's look in 1 Peter three fourteen through 16. It says this. But even if you should suffer for what is, what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear the threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be able to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. And then he says this. But do this with gentleness and respect. Sometimes that takes a lot. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. One of the greatest sermons that we'll ever preach will actually never be verbally given. It's going to be shown by the way we react to people. I can tell my boys all day long that I love them, that God has a plan for them, but then they can see daddy off in the corner on his phone. I will never forget when I ran across a picture from last year. We were outside in our, in our backyard and it was a picture that my wife had taken. And here's all my boys, my at the time five, five, three and one and a half-ish you know, children were outside playing and, and there's a picture of me up against the fence and they're all kind of like looking at me and they're off in the distance and, and here's me on my phone and I will never get that out of my head. Now granted, we fail, we mess up, we're not perfect parents. But what my kids remember are the times that I took their needs into consideration before mine. So in our house, we're getting ready for a baby girl. So three boys, yep. Come on, now we can clap, it's all right. <clears throat> And uh, we are so just completely humbled. Uh, a, a group of, of ladies took my wife out and, and uh, sprinkled, sprinkled, yep, did some sprinkling um, with three boys. That means other things. But anyway, so they took them, to the, to, took them and they, um, they, they just loved on her. And so here in comes my wife with <clears throat> this pink, purple, sparkle, glitter, gel explosion in my house and it is just it, we are so humbled and so one of the things that we're, we've realized we needed to get a dresser to put everything in right and so I'll, I'll tell you right now you want to you want to practice the fruits of the holy spirit go to ikea <clears throat> go to ikea because ikea will test your ability to uh, do those things and so i decided to set aside some time to work through this dresser so this dresser, I, I set aside the time and my four-year-old said, hey, I want to help you. And I'm going, okay, this is great. So we set aside this time and we start working through it and we piece together little by little this dresser. Again, uh, I probably went straight from the, uh, you know, uh, be humble, be gentle, be patient, went straight for the Holy Spirit when you're dealing with a power drill and a four-year-old and a Ikea dresser. Because, you know, you spend about, if you look at a pie chart and you look at uh, how you put together Ikea stuff, it says about 8% of the time you spend putting the thing together and then the other 92% doing other things. And so it was just a really, really, really interesting experience. But here's the thing I noticed the most. 
is that every little snap and piece together of that dresser is that my four-year-old would look at me. He would look at me. We would, we would put a screw in, we would snap a piece together, and as it would begin to take shape, I noticed more and more he would, he would do something, then he would look at me. And what I realized was that he was looking for approval, and he was looking just to do something with his dad. I think many people are in the same boat. Not all, but many. They start off quite chaotic, right? You're, you're cringing as they put the pieces together, or as they do things, or you're interacting relationship, or you have the situation going on, and it just is difficult. There are people in our lives that are difficult. We can think of one. But I believe the way we react to those people could change their lives. And now what I believe that Peter is saying here is he's like, always be able to give a reason for the hopes you believe, but do this with gentleness and respect. You are probably wondering how this connects to my son. People want approval. People want acceptance, love, someone to be gentle with them. The way we react says it all. I'm not saying we shouldn't share what we believe. I'm not saying that we shouldn't stand up for what we believe. You know, my neighbor disagrees with me all day long, yet my wife walks with him during the week. We interact with him on a daily basis. We've cooked together. We've interacted. We, you know, the, he hangs out with my children in the backyard. I mean, it's... It's a beautiful relationship. And I can't tell you I've handled every situation or every relationship perfectly, but one I've really been trying to focus on is that one. And so every time we interact, I try my best to be gentle and to show him respect. I never back down from what I believe. I never back down for proclaiming that I believe in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. I never back down. But I show in gentleness and respect. And you know, one thing I've, I've realized is, is, is we've been, he's been seeking me out more and more asking questions. And so I believe that the work of the Holy Spirit in that situation has been produced, is producing that fruit, because it's not normal to do what God says here. It's not normal to do that. It's not normal to be gentle. It takes effort. More importantly, it takes the work of the Holy Spirit. So I want to see so much the potential in people, but sometimes, like my child, it's hard to see the bigger picture. I just see it's going to take so much more time. It's going to take, it's so much more chaotic. It's, it's messy. But our relationships are like that. And instead, instead of seeing a wall, let's see a potential. But we need God's help to see through that wall, to see the potential. I think that's BBS. Every little child that's going to sit in those chairs is potential. God never looked at us and said, oh, you know what? You are proved this track record or you're sitting in this situation, so you're a lost cause. Through Jesus Christ, we have life and a purpose. And, and I'm so excited to, to share just recently, I, I was uh, messaged by an old student of mine who said, hey, I just want to remind you that when I was in third grade, you led me to Christ. I don't know if you know that, but you did because you shared the gospel at this, this event and I was there and, and now I'm leading at VBS and I can't wait to share the same heart for Jesus with my small group. As a, as a former youth pastor, that's why I did what I did for eight years because I believe in the next generation and I'm sold out for them. And that's what we are here. We believe in the next generation. And so seeing the potential in them is just still a huge part of who I am. The other thing that I believe too is that, is it, is it, it, so it's unity that it produces opportunities and then it also produces humility. Let's be honest. And so humility takes us to this point in, Ju, in, in John 8. And so John 8 is a powerful passage because it's, it's the interaction between Jesus, a crowd, and a woman caught in adultery. 
And so John 8, 1 through 11 says this, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and as he sat down and taught them, he was speaking, as he was speaking, uh, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery and they put, in front, they put her in front of the crowd. See, given the Old Testament law, Jesus had every right to stone her. And that's what they believed. But Jesus was coming to not abolish, but to fulfill the law. And so here Jesus, they say, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman is caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Let's think about for what the woman's at going through right now. She's beside herself. Probably emotionally a wreck. Her dignity is out the window. She's thinking her life is about to be out the window. And here Jesus does something incredible. So they were trying to trap him, verse 6 says, they were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger, and I just love the creativity of our Savior. He doesn't do anything crazy. He just starts to distract from the chaotic situation. How many of us go, God, what are you doing in my life? Or what are you doing in this situation right now? We just don't understand. And then we get over here and we look back and go, oh. I mean, look at Zach and Laura and, and all these situations that we have going on in our church. And it's so hard in the midst. It's so hard in the midst. But then we step outside of it years later and we look back and go, wow. You were holding me the whole time. And so here, this is what's so powerful is, is they keep demanding an answer from him in verse 7. It says, so he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. You want to talk about a mic drop. All right, if any of you have never messed up or never sinned, then you, you, you can go ahead and do what you want to do. Then he goes back down to writing in the dust. And I'm like, can just imagine being those people. Like, what are you doing? Like, we're, we want to get an answer from you. And then Jesus stood up and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Because everybody slowly but surely started to leave, starting with the oldest down to the youngest. Jesus said, didn't even one of them condemn you? And then in verse 11, I'm trying to put myself in this woman's shoes. I would have a hard time responding with words. And she says, no, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. People, Jesus stopped the woman from being stoned. Jesus came with something new. He came with gentleness. He came with power and authority. He had the right. He had the authority to do what the crowd was asking. But he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, to bring life and purpose, to rescue people, to bring a new law. And it's so powerful because Jesus interacts with these people. He says, he says, so Jesus distracts the chaos of the crowd, restoring dignity to this woman. Jesus interacts with the woman by asking her if there was anyone without sin that condemned her. She said, no. Jesus sends this woman on her way. There's one more interaction we might have missed here, and it's the crowd. You see, we're often the crowd. We're the people who have it all together. We have all the right things to say. We are so dead on set on what we want to get done, our agenda. And we come rushing up and we just say, this has got to happen this way. Here's what's happening. And to be honest, without Jesus coming to fulfill the law, they had every right to do what they wanted to do. And I think we become too confident in ourselves and our ability. It takes Jesus bringing us back to a place of humility because he is gentle. Jesus shows grace to the crowd by giving them an opportunity to look at yourselves. Look at themselves. And he said, if no fault is found, then proceed. Obviously, they all took a look at their own lives and left. Why? Because none of them was without fault. 
Jesus should have taken the crowd. He should have taken the woman and just let them have it. But he didn't. And the truth is, is he should have done the same thing with us. But he didn't. Because Jesus is gentle with us. I want to paint this picture of Jesus real quick. The same Jesus that heals the sick, finds the lost, and restores the broken, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. He did not ride in on a war horse. The same Jesus that calls cultural leaders out and turns from the crowd to minister to a woman who's been bleeding for years. He flipped tables in the temple and then uses a child to feed the 5,000. He taught people culturally opposing messages. He said, the first shall be last teaching a completely flipped upside down message. And then he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. He told people the truth about who they are amidst their sin. And he went to the cross for you and me, even though we were against God. Here is this Jesus that we serve, that we follow, that has given us life. This is what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. He says this, that come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for I am gentle. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is gentle not because he makes no demands, but because he makes proper demands. He is gentle because he gives us rest and forgives us when we do fail. One of my favorite preachers of of all time is Charles Spurgeon. And he says this in in a message to the tabernacle. He says, Such was his gentleness that when he might have shaken the earth and rocked the thrones of tyrants and made every idol God totter from its bloodstained throne, he put forth no such physical power, but still stood with melting heart and tearful eyes inviting sinners to come to him. He used no lash but his love. No battle axe. but his grace. Because God is gentle does not mean that he is is not holy. He is a holy, powerful, authoritative, creative, mind-blowing God. And he is gentle. Matthew 12, 19 gives us this picture of our reality in in Jesus. And he says, in, in Matthew 12, 19 through 20, he says, he will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious. And here's the clutch. And his name will be the hope of all of the world. You see, we are the reeds. We're the flickering candles. Yet in his grace and love, he does not crush us or put us out. He is gentle with us. And may no, make no mistake, his justice will be victorious, people. Jesus is coming. He's coming soon. And his justice will be victorious. And because of his death and death on the cross and finished work on the cross, because we believe in him, he will not put us out. He will not break us. And I love this passage so much because it gives us a picture of the gospel. He says, he is holy and because of our sin, we're separated from him. But there is no hope other than Jesus Christ. And when we surrender to Jesus, he ministers to us in the same way he ministered to the woman who was caught in adultery. He's gentle. So you could insert yourself into that woman's shoes and insert whatever your thing is, whatever your sin is, whatever your failure is, whatever your mess ups, how you, how are you ever you're broken, insert yourself there. And Jesus ministers to you with gentleness, does not shoo you away, changes you, flips you upside down. And so in that moment, that stillness, I think about the woman and I'm going, how would I even begin to respond to Jesus? I'm thinking about just being that flickering candle or being that, that just that, 
that weak reed and being broken or snapped with just a, just a slight brush of the wind. And I think about Jeremiah 10, 23, 24. This is a prayer from Jeremiah and this cry out to God. And he says this in 23, no Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. Isn't that true? 24 says, so correct me, Lord, but here's the, but please, please be gentle. Let's give our honest answer. And we say, God is who he is. And, so, and, and Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, God is on earth, or God is in heaven and we are here on earth. So let our words be few. God, please be gentle with me. Do not correct me in anger for I would die. So gentleness in our lives, that, we, that, that Holy Spirit produces gentleness. We want to be more gentle. It produces what? It produces unity for restoring people, for keeping unity in the body, for keeping unity in our communities, for keeping unity in our homes, for keeping unity all the places that we find ourselves. Opportunities to, to look at relationships and situations as not a wall, but an opportunity to put other people's needs before our own, to be gentle with them. And lastly, it produces humility. And I don't know about you, but as a guy, I just want to fix things. I just want to fix when my kids seem broken or when situations seem broken. And then if I just keep thinking about doing, 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 I lose drive. So I asked the question at the beginning is what drives you? Why should we seek to be gentle? What would drive us? God was first gentle with us. And like we learned last week, and even when we fail to to reach the goal of being gentle, he is faithful to us and he is always gentle. So my encouragement to you all this morning is to not walk away and and, and go, oh man, now I gotta be, I've gotta be more gentle. But my, my challenge to you is, would you be blown away by a gentle, holy, authoritative, powerful God? Be blown away by him first. Because I tell you, if we start with Jesus and we end with Jesus, that shapes a lot of how we act and a lot of how our behavior is. Because if we start with the cross and we start with how he was gentle with us, that drives me. Because if it's dependent on how I feel or how I like or dislike that person, you never know. You might get different Luke no matter who, what time or what place you're around. But if I start with being blown away and being humbled in the presence of a holy God, that drives me to be gentle. God, we love you and we're humbled to sit in your presence. And, and God, I, I just think about um, so many of us here who are, are wrestling with how to be gentle and some of it is just think about that, that snuggle bear and we're like, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't be that. I can't be that to my kids or I struggle with that or I struggle with that in my marriage or I struggle with that in our relationships or the people or I just, I am not built that way. I'm not wired that way. God, if we were to just walk out of here and just try to be gentle, we would get a day out and then we would probably fail. We need your help. We need your guidance. We need your Holy Spirit to work through us so that we can produce that fruit of gentleness. May we be blown away, God, by you. May we be blown away about these examples that Christ has left for us about being gentle. Will we be blown away by your holiness, by your authority, by your power? And yet you deal with us gently. Will we be blown away by the truth of the gospel that says you do not look at us for our failures or our lack of being gentle, but you only see Jesus Christ. And because of that, you see Jesus. 
So may we start and end with Jesus Christ every day and be driven by that to be gentle, not by just trying to do more. God, may we be blown away by you. And Lord, I pray that there's anyone here wanting that relationship with you and wanting to to say yes to you and have that relationship for the first time. It, It is so simple. It is saying, God, I am broken. I need you. Thank you so much for finding me, for rescuing me, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me once and for all. Jesus, I accept your love and your forgiveness and your grace. I give my life to follow you now and forever. Thank you, God, for being so gentle with us and for being so holy and so powerful. Holy Spirit, would you move us to produce the fruit of gentleness because of who you are? Thank you, God, for being faithful day in and day out, even when we fail to produce gentleness. You are always gentle with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We just stand and sing his faithfulness. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. Still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never failed me yet. Seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way, and I believe I'll see you do it again. I see you move, you move the mountains, and I believe. See you do it again. You made a way when there was no way, and I believe I'll see you do it again. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a we live with confidence knowing our identity has the opportunity to be in you. 
We love you, Jesus, that we can sing of your faithfulness, of your love, of your mercy, of your grace. We love you. We thank you. Amen. Amen. Guys, go live like Jesus this week. We'll see you next weekend.